Welcome everyone. Come on in, take a seat. We are uh, excited to be here and excited for those joining us online. And it is a beautiful day and what a great day to come and worship our Savior. So we're glad you're here and we're here to lay down the concerns of the week, to lay down the frustrations and all the differences that continue to go in our society and to come and worship our Savior. So invite you to that. While we're here, I want to just highlight what's happening this week at church. There's events down at the bottom. This is a real simple outline for this time that we have, but but a couple things. One is there's usually a baptism in August, and if you've never been baptized, please talk to me. We'd love to make sure that happens. We were just means talking to me about figuring out the details for you as we won't have our normal potluck at the lake like we have done in the past because of COVID. And then the other thing is, is that this Thursday in the evening, there's a drive-by shower for uh, for Lisa Hefner. Sam and Lisa are getting married, and there's information there, just a real short line, but there's more information on our church website, or you can call the office. We'll be gathering here at the church, meeting in the parking lot in the back, and then driving by in a little parade to um, to rejoice with, with her as, as they prepare for their wedding. So... Um, do take advantage of that, and uh, there's again, there's more information on the website. Okay, we are here to worship, and so I invite you into that, and would say, would you uh, bow me in prayer? Father, thank you that we get to come here today and worship you. Lord, you're worthy of it. Lord, we pray this would be a, a sweet fragrance to you, Lord, that this time would be a, a time when we get to have deeply into our hearts your word, the truth of your love for us, the wonder that you died for us. Lord, thank you for all you've done. We give you this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Welcome, everybody. I invite you to stand with us to sit, to worship as you worship. Our God is so great and worthy of our praise. Our God is great. Our God is 
Father of creation, His splendor fills the earth. And lightning crash, the thunder sings His praises. The galaxies can't help but shout His word. My soul will sing to You in offering. care of every concern, even the ones we don't even know about, Lord, even the things we haven't even worried about, you've taken care of it. God, we believe that you are for us, we believe that you love us, that you are pleased with us, we believe that you've forgiven us for all of our sins, that we don't need to approach you scared or worried feeling like we have to measure up. But God, we can approach you with freedom, with peace. We can run to you with joy, Lord, knowing that you are there with open arms, knowing that you're here with us now, that you are always with us, and that you never leave us. Closes in, you are hope, you 
so teach my song to rise to you. When temptation comes my way, and when I cannot stand, I'll fall on you. Jesus, you're my hope and stay. And when I cannot stand, I'll fall on you. Jesus, you're my hope and stay. And Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour I need you. My one defense, my righteousness. Oh, God, how I second, every day we need you, Lord. Help us to know this even in times where we don't feel like it or, or we don't see you here. Lord, help us to know that you are always here. Let us be aware of your love that is always with us, that you are always with us, always for us, always protecting us, God. And you are the foundation upon which we stand. Even when the world is chaotic and it seems to be crumbling, we stand firm on you. We have this confidence. We have this joy and no one can take it away. So we praise you for that, Lord. We love you. Amen. Good morning. I've been given the privilege of reading the scripture passage this morning and it's found in 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1. If you have your Bible uh, with you, you, I invite you to turn to that passage. If you're using one of the church-provided Bibles, it's page 1021. First John, chapter 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life, the life was made manifest, manifest and we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you so that you may have fellowship in... Excuse me. Let me try that again. That which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you so that you may too... Have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. This is the message we have heard from Him and proclaimed to you that God is light, 
and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his Son cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for the opportunity we have today to come together around your word as a church family, as a church body, and our desire is that our worship would be pleasing to you, that our focus would be on you, the distractions of the week before us and the Things coming up ahead might not distract from our attention to you and to your word this morning. We thank you for the blood of Christ that cleanses us from all sin. Thank you for this promise that we've just read. And I pray that you would open our eyes, open our ears, open our hearts to your word this morning. Help us to hear your voice through our pastor as he declares the word of God to us this morning. May you be pleased in what is said and done. May our lives be changed. We thank you for your love and care for us, and we commit this time to you for Christ's sake. Amen. I tempted and tried 
suffering bought us we praise you jesus for what you've done for us on the cross we're wonder at your love for us lord help us to live there and we lift you high this morning amen please be seated thank you team what a wonder to worship together love it We continue together in Ephesians, and if you have your Bibles and like to turn along, we'll be in Ephesians chapter 5 today as we continue through this amazing letter. I have been thinking on a little bit about how it is that from eternity past, the Father loved the Son. God the Father loved God the Son. You know, the main entry into Christianity for many people and into any religion is that God created you. So this idea that God created you means that you need to serve him. He made you. That's the Babylonian God, Marduk. That's whatever God you have said, there's a God and you need to serve him because you were created. It's Christianity that flips that. Because we greatly acknowledge, of course, that God created us. But our God particularly is revealed in Jesus Christ. That's what our Bible says, right? And even for in uh, John chapter 1, where the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, or in Hebrews chapter 1, where Jesus is the perfect representation of who God is. It's God the Father loving God the Son. And Jesus shows that to us, doesn't just show it to us, brings us into it. So you and I have forever this concept that God loves us because we are in Christ. That's an amazing thing that the, the, the primary thing I know of God is that he loves. He doesn't stop. And the father gives it and the son receives it. And here I brought into the son. So what do I do? I receive the love of God. It's incredible. When he wanted to put that on display to the world, Paul has told us even here in Ephesians, he puts the church on display because we've entered into love. We're in Christ. The greatest gift ever, this act of love that Jesus did for us to bring us, the unworthy, into the incredible love of God. You know, we looked at that all through the first three chapters of Ephesians. Remember how we ended with this amazing, the height, the depth that you would know, the unknowable love of Christ for you. We really can't even know it. It's so deep. And then, two weeks ago, we started looking at how Paul says we respond. So there's five walks in the stand. And we've, we looked two weeks ago at how you respond. This first amazing response was in unity. And this idea that we all together have only one hope. You know, we sin a lot of ways. But there's only one hope that we have for being with God. And that's the work of Christ for us. So there's one hope, one father, one faith, 
one spirit. And then last week we looked at how because of this amazing love, we don't walk like we used to. We walk differently. We see that the Holy Spirit's in you just like the Holy Spirit's in me, and I want to build you up. I don't want to tear you down. Today we're going to look at the third and fourth walks that Paul has for us. This response to the amazing love of Christ for us, they go closely together. And and I don't think they'll be a surprise to you, but maybe in how you think about them. It's walk in love and walk in light. Walk in love and walk in light. It sounds very Christian. It sounds very light. It sounds very fluffy. Walk through the text. It's not maybe what you think. Let's go. This is our response to the wonder of Christ's love. Walk in love, walk in light. We'll start with walk in love. And the picture I put up here is a picture of, of a, maybe it's a mom or a dad and a child. Because, because too often when I say let's walk in love, we think romantic love. Like somehow, you know, it's about husbands and wives. But, but love is bigger. And in fact, maybe better captured in the self-sacrifice of a parent for a child. So let's look. Chapter 5, verse 1, Ephesians. Therefore, be imitators of God, Paul writes, as beloved children. And walk in love. There's our walk. Walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. Okay, we start off this amazing statement, and it stretches that therefore. Like, what is it therefore? You go all the way back to the first of Ephesians, right? In those first three chapters of the wonder of God's love for us, the depth of it, the width of it, because of the incredible love you've been loved with, Paul writes, because you've entered into the love of the Father for the Son. The Son has loved you in a way you can't even really understand, this deep, wide, long, and high, and see that you've entered in. Now you have a family. You're God's family. And, and, and by union with Jesus, and so our heart becomes to be like him, right? As his kids, because he loves us, he loved us first. He opened our eyes, he he opened our heart because he loved us while we were dirty and sinners and, and little and least and outcasts and not having anything in us that was lovely. Except, except he loved us. So, Paul says, walk in that. Walk in that love. And, and many people think that what Paul's saying as you start to go through this is, is something along the lines of love well. You know, because you should, you know. You should love. Shouldn't you? I mean, Romans says we should love each other. John says we should love each other. Love is fantastic and amazing and wonderful. But but first and foremost, you and I walk in the love of Christ for us. The air we breathe is is the air of being loved. The, The fragrance and perfume is the fragrance and perfume in the room is the love of Christ for you and me. So I think of walking in that kind of love is a little bit like walking, walking across the Red Sea on dry land with walls of water held up by the love of God for us. Or in the Old Testament where, where, where you're, you're standing in the love of God as the sun stands still because God fought for his people. God, you know, loves you. When I say love, I mean self-sacrifice for the benefit of someone else. That's our working definition. 
you are loved, and that's so different from the world. You know, the world focuses on how are you loving, and the world focuses on do you love yourself. You know, you can't love until you love yourself. And these are coping mechanisms sometimes for focusing on self-improvement or self-worth or self-righteousness or merit. And we're the ones who say, no, wait. The truth is you are loved beyond measure. Jesus loved and he gave himself for you and self-sacrifice looked no further than the cross. But have no doubt, precious people, Right? That leads us to love. Right? We want to love each other because of Jesus. Right? I mean, this fragrant offering, this sacrifice to God, it is the love of Christ giving himself up for us. So the the perfume in the room, the, the air we breathe, as you come around here and you say, okay, here we are, we're breathing this amazing love of Christ for you and me. And what does it do? It It gives me the freedom and the joy and the desire I want to love. I want to have self-sacrifice for other people. So walk in it, Right? I say love, and love is all that Christ is for us. We can do it in a thousand ways, and there's a in a gentle word, or in a generous deed, or or in kindness and compassion, and and we cross over into the beauty of love in general. You know, by the world, the whole world agrees with us. Nobody, I don't know any religion, I don't know any people, I don't know any society. Certainly, our society, right, that doesn't say love is good. Right, we everybody wants to love. And when you see it, you say, wow, those are remarkable self-sacrifice, and I affirm it, and I, I like it, I want it, in, sometimes in big things. You guys ever see Schindler's List? Schindler's List is a dramatization of an of actual person who lived. His name was Oscar Schindler, and, and he saved over a 1,000 Jews by putting them to work in his factory, and he took great risks to do so. He found out he could die, and he, and he did that for his fantastic love. I love it. Or maybe Harriet Tubman, you know, when he got to our, our country and our history. When she got freed from slavery, she, she, she went and she founded the Underground Railroad, right? Thirteen times she went back, and she was going to die if she got caught. And she freed other fellow people who were in slavery. Why'd she do that? I think it's okay to say that's amazing love. Self-sacrifice for the case of another, right? It's fantastic. It's not always heroic. I was reading reading uh, about this couple who had had their special anniversary dinner and they were going out to this special restaurant that they had had been many times. And this time when they went, the service was terrible. They had to wait for like three hours to get their food. It was cold and they're back. And the way they were having a tough day, the waiting staff and the, the kitchen staff. and everything. You know what they did? For their $50 dinner, they left a $100 tip. They said, you guys are just having a bad day. Bless you. You know what I call that? Love. Isn't that cool? Self-sacrifice. They're giving of what they have for somebody else. It's like, I just want to bless you. And that's so cool. And I say, I don't know if they were Christian. I, I don't some sense really care. That cool act of self-sacrifice for somebody else, it's, that's really cool. And you know who affirms that? Our society affirms that. A Buddhist or, or, or a Mormon or, or a Hindu or no matter what religion you're in, say, yeah, that's all really good. Be self-sacrificing for other people. You know who should be the biggest lovers? 
I said that in the very best sense. Christians. We're the ones walking in the air, the perfume of what Christ has done for us. We're the ones who are like, wow, I've, been, I've received so much from Jesus. We're the ones who, who basically, it's like, it makes no sense if we're not, right? Because here, if I put my arms out and I get a million dollars dropped into my arms, then I'm the guy who's willing to give five bucks to somebody, right? I mean, come on. That's just the love I've received is so much more than I could ever hope for. I become somebody, I want to be somebody who gives that away. I've got so much because of Jesus. So I kind of get that, and but, and, and but I say love, and you know, well, love is kind of vague. It's, it's used a bunch of, I, I don't necessarily understand exactly. So good, Paul's going to get a little more specific for us as he goes on. He says, but, but sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Okay, first I look at that and I just want to say it's amazing, you know. He's calling you and me saints. Isn't that cool? We are saints. He said, well, you are saints. You're holy ones. You're ones who are holy. And you know what shouldn't even be named among you? This stuff that's not love. In fact, it's sin. That's what he's saying, right? He's like, you're holy because of what Jesus has done. Not because of you. So these things shouldn't even be named among you. Not to get into Jesus, but because of Jesus. Well, what things? Well, first he says sexual immorality. You know what sexual immorality is? It's you going after fulfilling sexually desire for yourself. That's what it is. It's fulfilling your lusts. The beauty of marriage, for example, is that sexuality is for the other person, right? That's clean and holy and awesome. You're self-sacrificing for the other person. But this sexual immorality stuff that we slip into and people slip into is about self-fulfillment. Me getting stuff for me. Not even a hint, he says. It goes against self-sacrificial love. All impurity. By the way, that means he's saying you're pure, right? That's what a saint is, holy, pure. So all impurity, if you're holy, then no impurity, sexual or otherwise, should even be named among you, says Paul. No flaws. Nothing that doesn't reflect this amazing family you're in now. You know that word is used in Matthew chapter 23 when Jesus is talking about the, the grave and the stuff that's in the grave. And there's the bones and there's, there's this impurity stuff, the other stuff. Think about that for five minutes. Well, not for five minutes. That's too long. Rotting flesh with maggots. That's the rest of the stuff, right? That's this stuff. Let not this garbage be among you. This impurity, this stuff that's not quite, ooh, that's yuck. Vileness. And then he says, or covetousness. Say, well, I don't do any of that covetousness. No, wait, that's just wanting what other people have. Somebody has something, and you're like, wow, I wish I had that. I really want that. And you start longing for it, and your desire gets set on it. And what's that oriented on? Me. I want for me stuff that other people have, and I don't. God hasn't given me. They've got health. They've got kids. They've got money. They've got stuff. I want the blah, blah. Right? 
idolatry because that means you're saying you should have and God, who is your father, hasn't given it to you. So you're putting yourself and saying, I should have it anyway. Actually, all of these make total sense. I don't know about you, but responding and selfless sacrifice for another's good. So don't go hunting your own pleasure, right? Don't go hunting your own stuff. Don't bring in the maggots. I don't want that. Not even named among you means not even a hint. So my question is, how you doing? Not even a hint of this stuff. Not a hint. And he goes on. He's not done. For let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. There shouldn't be any bad speaking at all. No filthy language, no gutter talk, you know, no swearing, no talking of things that aren't fitting for holy saints bought by the blood of Jesus. We should just be thankful all the time and then building each other up like we saw last week. Even he goes after, he's going after now the surface stuff, right? Because language, we use language all the time. It just flows off of us and we have senses of humor and we, we see things and we make comments on them. We talk, it's really fast and it's, it's on the surface and yet he's even going after that. To guard your tongue, he says. Don't get pulled in the folly and the pathetic sin of the world. Even in your language, you're walking in this amazing love that you've found, and therefore you are acting pure. And this idea is, the real idea that you're coming out from this, I hope, is not even a hint. You shouldn't even have a hint of this among you. And you're like, well, (laughs) I kind of get that, but you know. This can't be that big a deal because we're not perfect. Nobody's perfect. So, I mean, there's some wiggle, right? Well, look what he says. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of God. Whoa. And let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. This is a huge deal. The wrath of God comes on these self-fulfillment and self-focus and not walking in the love of God for us, but walking in our own fulfillment, our own advancement, our own wants. And, and, and whoa, what do I do with that? On the one hand, one pathway through is to do what the world does and say, well, I'm trying hard to be a lover of people and to justify myself. And I'm doing better than the guy next to me. I'm doing better than that group over there. I'm doing better than that person. God grades on a curve, you know. If I could just do well enough. Yeah, these are good things and I don't do them well, but I'm trying and that's got to account for something. That's one way associated with that is this idea of, boy, if I could just if I could just define these words narrowly enough, then they wouldn't apply to me. 
So we'll take covetousness, and you know, yeah, it's not just longing for other people's stuff or longing for what I don't have, but it's really specifically when I go and I murder someone to get their stuff or something. I don't know. It's not what the word means, but I'm so sometimes tender to try and have it not apply to me. Sexual morality, that's got to be when you really do something crazy, not just look at a picture. Actually, arg. Do you have to believe the word? One of the things that I um, was, I was trained in as a doctor, this is my training, was to be a, primarily I was a diagnostician. That means mostly what I was doing with people is figuring out what was wrong with them. And as a pastor, it's not much different. And I get to see what's wrong. And you know what? This is wrong with you. And when I meet, and, 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 and as you go around and you start to see, and when I look at you and I look at you today, I see a hint, more than a hint of this. When I look in the mirror for me, I see a hint, more than a hint. I don't have to go to the big thing. I don't have to go to the Catholic Church and find the priests and the boys or something crazy, terrible. I don't have to find the terrible sin. I can find it in me. And I can find it in you. So it says walk in love and it's beautiful and it's amazing. And I agree with you that it's amazing. And and we ought to be the number one people who walk in this amazing love that just pours out of us because of the vast treasure of love that we've been showered in Christ with. And and here we are. And so I, I know and I affirm and I want and I want for you. And that truth comes up to the reality, the reality that the Bible says not even a hint, and there's a hint. What do I do with that exactly? So I'm really happy that he didn't just stop with walk in love. He also has walk in light. Super helpful. That's our next piece here, walk in light, because we see that we aren't who we should be. And the response isn't, this, one response would be, forget it, forget it, man. I have a hint, more than a hint, and I see the truth. I'm jumping in, in for a step, in for a mile, whatever. I get the phrase wrong, but you know what you mean, right? Say, so, well, if you're saying that you sin, well, it's too late for you, just go ahead and enjoy it. No, that's not what he says, right? Look, therefore do not become partners with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. And here's this second walk. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. You see, clearly you don't just jump into immorality and coveting and filthy talk and acting like you're no different like the love of christ means nothing no no don't partner with them if someone calls you into sin don't go pull a joseph run away right that's what we're doing we're saying no because why because you were darkness but now you are light 
Walk as children of light. That's this fourth walk, fourth walk. So this fruit of light is found in all that's good and right and true. We want to see what is pleasing to the Lord. And that means walking in light. What is that exactly? Because I know we use light in a couple of ways. One of the ways I use light and I think of light and sometimes I, I, I default to this is sort of light is about purity. Like, like, like in James when it says that God is the father of light in him there's no shadow of turning at all. So I think of God, he's like shining pure light. Like I can't even look at him. Like looking at the sun is going to blind me. It's so pure. It's so perfect. It's just blazing glory. I think of light that way. So if I was thinking of it in terms of here, then I'm sort of saying, well, what you need to do is be pure and holy to do good and don't do bad and be not unholy but holy and think of it that way of like light is sort of like holiness and and sin-freeness and so walk as sin-free people and, and you know what? He's not meaning that. That's not the context of this and that's not how it's usually used in the Bible. Well, then how? Because there's another way to think about light. More than do more and try harder to be a good person, like God saved you and now you need to be a good person, but it's this. God is incredible in his love for you and me, and we've received it. And now we walk in this this love, and, and the behaviors now are out of place. These desires are so a part of my flesh, me advancing me, of fulfilling myself, of wanting for me, and yet I'm still afflicted. And the response is, walk in the light and don't give up. That means expose. Light is exposing. Light in a certain way. So light like this, like, like there's, I hear a noise at night and I go out and I look out of my back window and it's dark, but I hear a noise. I'm wondering if it's a burglar or if it's, I don't know, a rat or, or what it is. And what do I do before I even grab my shotgun? I don't have one. That's a joke. But what I first do is I turn on the light. I turn on the light and I can see, oh, pass those two deer and they're eating my garden again. There they are, and I see them, and I know what it is. The light has exposed what's there. That's what he means. Expose. Bring to light. Let the light in. Turn it on. Walk in the light. That's what he means. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead, what? Expose them. It's shameful to even speak of what the things they do in secret. This is the amazing response of the Christian. It's a big deal. Our guilt and shame, our guilt and shame have been washed away in the blood of Christ. That's what I know. That's the gospel. Right? So this is the wonder of this love. And what does it mean? I can shine light, take no part in them. But even when I do, my response is to expose. It's so different. It's so different if you don't have this amazing assurance that Christ loves you when you're a sinner. Because then you hide. If you think that God doesn't love you when you screw up, pardon my language, what are you going to do when you screw up? I'm going to act like I didn't. Because it works in other situations. If I could just hide it long enough, no one will find out. I can act like things are okay 
people hide all the time in every religion, in every setting. We show what we want to show. We show what we're doing well. And we hide the rest. You don't need, you can pick huge, right? A Jeffrey Epstein or something like things that are going on. Eventually they come to light, but they happen a long time in the darkness. Family secrets hid away. Evil's done by all of us. We hide them and act like we're doing really well or we lie and we cover it up. Both Christians and non-Christians. Everybody knows. Everybody knows that sin is evil. Look, look, that's what he says, right? It is shameful even to speak of the things they do in secret. They know too. Why? Because they're doing it in secret. And just laugh about it sometimes in my own heart because I do this too. We all slip into this. We only show people what we want to. The things of our little badnesses we hide away. And I think, doesn't God already know? Like you think you're hiding something? Who are you hiding it from? (laughs) See what he says. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Do you see that? Do you see what he's saying? Do you see why it's exposing is what he's talking about? Because he's saying, if you turn the light on and you can see, then even that sin that you see somehow becomes light. What, what, what is that? You see, when you come into the light, when you come into the truth of who you are, a sinner who is now a saint by the blood of Jesus... This is the move. This is the move you and I are doing. This is the move we started with. We said, wait a minute, I'm giving up on my self-advancement, on my self-presentation, on my self-focus. I have no hope in me, and I'm turning to Jesus and moving to say, he's my hope, his blood for me. It's not restoration for sin. You're too far gone. It's not restitution. You can't give back enough. It's not reformation. You can't get good enough. It's not saying the imperatives no longer apply to me in my flesh. They do. We stand here and say, have you awoken? Have you opened your eyes to the wonder that the light of Christ has come, that His blood for me cleanses me forever, that every single one of my sins is covered and cleansed, past, present, future. But trust. This exposes my sin. It allows me to be somebody who's, who's open about why, because it's paid for. That's why he says, look how he ends. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Walk in the light. If you do, he is faithful and just to forgive you all of your sin and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Right? The sin that doesn't get forgiven is the sin that you won't even acknowledge is sin. You won't receive Christ for it. You insist it's okay. So come to the light, he says, and receive the wonder of forgiveness because transparency, letting it in, agreeing with God that you're a sinner, that there is a hint. This is the wonder of forgiveness. 
in your Christian life, come live this way, exposing sin, because exposed sin says my hope isn't in me. It's in the one who died for me. Okay. This is today, these two walks. It's amazing and wondrous. The walk in love. So walking in love is not great deeds of improvement, but the wonder of Christ's love for you. God sacrificed himself for you. You breathe in every day, every moment, and stop breathing in navel-gazing, self-focused desires of your flesh. Immorality, impurity, coveting, wanting what you don't have and haven't been given. Flee all of it. Realize the world sees this too. The world sees this is the best way, the way of compassion and kindness and love, the way of helping your neighbor and sacrificing for others and being good. They're not wrong. It's the best way to live, even when there's no way to really get there. But we should be. We should want to be. We should be helping each other. Be people who, because of the love of Jesus, are responding in love. Fantastic. And in that, we should always see that in our flesh, we aren't who we should be. And the way there is walking in light. Because you don't flee sometimes, and you won't flee, you stumble and fall, you walk in the light. This is where the rubber meets the road of real Christianity. We expose sin, especially in ourselves. We can do it because we know something the world doesn't know, that we're forgiven in Christ. And so confession doesn't lead to reprobation or whipping or lashes. It leads to absolution. Let me just share. We read this today in our scripture reading. If we walk in the light, that's agreeing with God, exposing who we are. As he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. You see that? He is able. Confession leads to absolution. Coming into the light means we say, I can't, I haven't, Jesus. And Jesus says, but I have. He has for you. You are pure and clean and without even a hint of sexual immorality or of impurity, of covetousness, of filth, of dirt in him. Because his sacrifice is enough for you forever. Right. So walk in love. Walk in light. See it as a product of this amazing love that we experience together. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this text today. Thank you, Lord, that we get to respond to the amazing love that you've given us so deep, so wide. I can't even understand it, Father. And Lord, I pray that we would respond in walking in that love, walking in your light, that you might produce in us the wonder of the fruit you would desire because we see that we're totally yours. Please, Holy Spirit, work in us. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Okay, hey, one of the things we do, in fact, probably the most important thing we do in church, the proclaiming is important of the word, the singing that we get to sing to the Lord. But what we're doing right here is one of the key things. And it's that we together gather around and all together say we want to image receiving Christ. This is where our hope is. It's not about how well you've done this week, how much sin you've avoided. It's not about you making things right with every neighbor that you can remember. It's about 
coming around and saying, my only hope is receiving Christ. So we do. We image. We see we don't actually take in a piece of flesh and a, a little cup of blood. But what we're doing is saying we receive Christ. We put our hope here. So I invite you to that, whether it's your first time or your thousandth. But if that's what you would like to do, don't feel pressured. You don't have to. But if you'd like to, we have a kind of a unique setup in this COVID time, which is we have it on either side, and there's gluten-free and regular, and you can come on up a row at a time, be socially distant, come up, take one unit, and the unit has a piece of bread on the bottom and a little cup of juice on the top. Take that back to your seat, staying socially distant, and then sit down, and then we'll all partake together. Because one of the most important things is that it's all of us in the same boat. So we partake together, and we'll do that. So while the music's playing, go ahead and do that, and we will come back together and participate. At home, you can jump in, too. I get excited to do this with you. It's just amazing. This is the center of who we are. This is our connection. This is our relationship in some ways, that you and I are in the same, adored by the king. Jesus gave this to Paul, one of the things that he spoke to on that Damascus road where he met with Jesus, because he says in 1 Corinthians 11, he says, 
for I receive from the Lord. He's talking about Jesus. What I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Would you, with me, remember that the Son of God came for you? Let's partake the body of Christ. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And Paul adds, For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So would you proclaim the Lord's death with me? Remember, this is the new covenant, the way that we have a relationship with God, his blood shed for you and me, forgiveness of all our sins, the blood of Christ. Thank you, Lord, for salvation from outside of us. Thank you for the wonder of your deep love for us sinners. Thank you that you declare us holy and righteous, that you seal us with your spirit, and that we're yours forever. Oh, thank you. In Jesus' precious name, amen. going today and walking in love, doing great wonders of love in response to the love of Christ for you. And when you fail, and you will, may you walk in the light of knowing that he has forgiven you forever. Hey, this is amazing what we have. Go in peace, great family. Have a great afternoon. You're dismissed.